0: The following is a presentation of the Open Door Bible Baptist Church and Pastor Chris Tice. For more audio and video content, please check us out on the web at www.opendoornj.org. Webster defines that word heritage as this, an inheritance and a state that passes from an ancestor to an heir by descent or course of law. And as we look at the psalm and see that it is a, it says at the top there, you see a mictum of David or a golden psalm of David. David makes a statement in verse 6, I have a goodly heritage. But if you really think about it, uh, what David was saying was he had a goodly, a pleasant or a favorable inheritance. But if you know anything about David and consider 1 Samuel 16, uh, verse 11, Samuel came and, and, and God had sent him to the house of Jesse. To, to find the next king to replace Saul. And in comes the oldest son, Eliab. And he says, surely, this is the Lord's anointed. He said, no, it's not him. And he goes through all of his children. And it comes to the, to the seventh son. And Samuel said unto Jesse in verse 11, Are here all thy children? And he said, There remaineth yet the youngest. And behold, he keepeth the sheep. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Send and fetch him. For we will not sit down till he come hither. And if you understand anything about Bible inheritances, you understand this. David wouldn't have received much of an inheritance, if really anything at all. He was the youngest of eight sons, so the eldest, in this case, Eliab, uh, would have received a double portion of what his younger brothers would get, and the rest was evenly divided among the, the other children. Uh, So David was not relying on the inheritance of his father to sustain him, but look what he says in verse 5, the Lord is the portion of mine inheritance. Um, So while he could expect little to no inheritance from his family, he took joy and comfort in the fact that the Lord was his portion. The Lord was in his inheritance, and he knew he had a good inheritance. Um, I'm not sure if you've ever received an inheritance of any type. I know I have not had the privilege of receiving an inheritance. I know with the privilege of inheritance comes also the sadness of um, somebody passing away, but the, the, the best inheritances are the ones for the, from the people you did not even know, right? There's no, there's no sorrow in that. You're like, I didn't even know that person existed. But I'm glad they sent me some money. I'm glad they knew I existed. Uh, so I'm still waiting for one of those inheritances. And if, if you've not yet written your last will and testament and looking for somebody to, to write in there, I, I, won't, I won't suggest. But anyway, I don't, I don't, as far as I know, I don't have one coming to me. Um, so you can feel sorry for me. But God said to the priests in the days of Moses, said this, I am your portion and your inheritance, in Numbers chapter 18. Now David understood that this was was a promise not just given to the priests, but to all those who would trust God to be the portion of their inheritance. Uh, The Scottish commentator and preacher uh, from the early 1900s, Alexander McLaren, said it well when he said, Every godly man has the same possession and the same prohibitions as the priests had. Like them, he is landless, and instead of estates, had Jehovah. And when you really think about it, In the scope of eternity, we sing the song, this world is not my home, I'm just a passing through. When it comes to our life here on earth, we have nothing. We we really don't, we can't take anything with us. But I'm thankful that as believers, we have a great inheritance, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's the eternal life that we've been given by him. And without him, we truly would have nothing in life. Now wealth is great, and, and fame is great, and all those things, but in the end, they mean nothing. In the end, in eternity, they're worth very little. Really, like I said, they are worth nothing. When we die, all the inheritances that we could have received will vanish away and they'll mean nothing to us. But if we have the Lord, we have the greatest inheritance that we could possibly have. So just as David joyfully proclaims, I have a goodly heritage, we too can make the same declaration as believers. So I just want to look at three quick thoughts on this goodly heritage. First is the possession of it. The possession of it. Look at verse 6. Uh, at the, the end of verse 6 he says, this is just a simple statement, I have a goodly heritage. I have a goodly heritage. This possession, this uh, thought the, the of the possession of it, for, number one, it's personal. Look at that first word, I. It was his heritage. Um, this was something that David took personally. It, it wasn't him saying, look at the, look at the good, goodly heritage that others have. Look how good God's been to others. No, he's saying, look how good God's been to me. Look how blessed I am. I have a goodly heritage. God's been good to me. Uh, I'm sure all of us can testify. If we're honest with ourselves, I know we can all testify. God's been good to us. That if you're a believer, if you've been saved, and heaven's your home, you can with a surety say, I have a goodly heritage. It's personal. God's been good to you. God's been good to me. Uh, There's no doubt about that. Uh, Number two, it's kind of in the, the, the main thought there, but it's possessive. Look at that word, have. He possesses it. He owns it. Uh, it, wasn't, it, it. Not only was it personal, but it's something that he held on closely to. It, it was something that he would have maintained and kept a close eye on. I don't know if you've ever been somewhere at a party or, or something like that, and you set something down, maybe a purse or something of yours, and you see somebody walking away with it, hopefully on accident, they think it's theirs. And how many of you have been in a situation like, oh, wait, wait, that's mine. I, I, I can tell, I know that's mine. I'm familiar with it. Uh, with some of our teenagers, um, I, 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 I pick on our teens a little bit, but we're all like this. I can be like this with my cell phone. If somebody grabs my cell phone, hey, whoa, whoa, what are you doing with my phone? Put it down. Don't, don't mess with it. Now, whenever I grab one of our teens' phones, they're very worried. Not because I'm going to find something wrong on their phone, but because when they get their phone, they're going to find something wrong with their phone. Um, I've, I've, there was one time uh, we are at, at teen camp, uh, summer camp, and Brother Charlie uh, left his phone unattended, without a password, and that was like Christmas Day for me. I, I got that. I, I switched up contacts. I made it so that certain texts, if you typed it, would say something else. Um, nothing inappropriate, nothing, but just just funny that he and he got so frustrated with it, and he didn 't know how to fix it. If you know if you know about him he 's not the most tech savvy uh, person, but I, I had some fun with that and, and, and there have been times uh, I remember one time uh, it was actually the day Olivia was born. I remember um, Sam Penna came to the hospital to uh, to see the baby and uh, to see Olivia, and she had left her phone and unlocked and I changed around a few words, and it wasn 't until I think a few weeks later that she realized when she was texting somebody and it said the opposite of what she wanted to say. Uh, But we can be very possessive of our things. Somebody picks up some of ours and says, hey, that's mine. Put that down. Don't don't touch that. Don't don't mess with that. Um, And we should have the same mindset, the same possession of our heritage that the Lord's given us. Don't don't mess with that. Don't make fun of that. Don't criticize that. That's mine. Uh, That's my heritage. Uh, Next, look at it. It's plentiful. The next word, a. How's that plentiful? That's a that's a singular word. Uh, but here's a thought I had with it: this, this, the adjective or article a, while often glazed over, is very important. Notice it doesn't. Notice it says, "I have a goodly heritage." It doesn't say, "I have the goodly heritage." David is not the only one in possession with a goodly heritage. This is a this is a heritage that everyone can have. This is a heritage that's available to all. He had a goodly heritage, just like I have a goodly heritage, and just like you can also have a goodly heritage if you're a believer. Uh, A a good heritage from the Lord is not reserved to those in the Bible. It's not reserved to David and to Solomon and to Paul and to Peter. It's not reserved to preachers and and teenagers and young people. It's not reserved for adults. It's for all believers. We can all have a goodly heritage. And then look at the next word. It says, I have a goodly heritage. It's pleasant. It's pleasant. Um, have you ever been given a gift, whether Christmas, your birthday or whatever, and you just kind of look at it and like, how do I, how can I think of a way to say this is great without lying? And then when they're not looking, double check if there's a gift receipt and say, oh, yeah, I was always wanting a sweater like this or oh, I've always needed. And uh, how many have gotten a gift like that before? How many have given a gift like that before? I know I have. My wife's looking at me and she's thinking... And I know which gift she's thinking of. Um, The thing that I said, wouldn't it be cool if you had this? She's like, eh, not that much. I thought it would be cool if she had it, and so I got it for her. Um, And now I think it's in our daughter's toy bin. It's a little Bluetooth speaker that never got used, and our daughters play with it for whatever. It's pink, so they like it. Um, So it ended up being a good gift. Uh, So, With that thought in mind, how many are thankful that our Heavenly Father knows how to give good gifts? Uh, The Bible says in Matthew 7, how much more shall your father, which is in heaven, give good things to them that ask him? Uh, In the the context of that passage, he said, which of you, if your children shall ask of of bread and you give them a rock, or shall ask of something else, I forgot what exactly what you give them a serpent or a scorpion, uh, but but if you being evil can know how to give good gifts, how much more shall your heavenly father, your father, which is in heaven, give good things to them that ask him? Uh, the, 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 The gifts of God are pleasant. God's gifts, God's heritage to us, and it's good. It's pleasant. It's something that, it's something when you unwrap it, you say, man, this is exactly what I needed. This is exactly what I wanted. This is awesome. Uh, if you've ever seen, uh, um, I'm, I'm sure you can think of um, Christmas gifts or whatever from times past as a child, or even from your kids or whatever that you open and be like, this is a, this is a great gift. This is awesome. It got a lot of use out of it. Maybe you've seen that YouTube video of the um, I, I can't remember what gift it was, but the kids opened the present, and they just went hysterical. This is awesome. This is great. That's, that's God's heritage to us. It is, it, is so, it is so good. It's something worth bragging about. It's something worth telling people about. Not because of us, but because of him. And it's a, it's a pleasant heritage. And then last, in, in, in this thought of the possession of it, it's priceless. Just that word heritage implies the fact that it's priceless. Uh, consider Naboth. In, in uh, 1 Kings chapter number 21, he was given a good piece of land, but it was, it was more than just a good piece of land to him. Ahab saw the land, and it was nearby the, the, the palace there, and it was a good place, it was a good vineyard, and uh, he says to Naboth, approaches him, and very kindly, it seems, says, give me thy vineyard for money, or else, if it please thee, I will give thee another vineyard for it. Not a very, uh, we, we, if, if you're familiar with the story, we know that this turns south very quickly, um, but the intentions of Ahab here are not very ill. The intentions of Ahab here are, hey, whatever, it is, whatever the price you say, I'll pay it. It's, it's close to my palace. I'd, I'd like to have it. But Naboth's, re- respond, Naboth's response, which Ahab doesn't like, is, I will not give thee my vineyard. And he gives the reason. He says, the Lord forbid it me that I should give the inheritance of my fathers unto thee. What was he saying? He wasn't saying, I'm not going to sell to you because I don't like you, King Ahab. I'm not going to sell to you because you don't have enough money to pay me. Uh, He was saying, I'm not going to sell because no amount of money will equal its worth to me. What was he saying? It's priceless. My fathers gave it to me. It was my inheritance. I'm not just going to so flippantly and carelessly pass it on uh, for money. I I won't sell out. Your flesh and our culture will push you to sell your inheritance that you've been given from the Lord. Think about the inheritance that Esau sold. For, for, for a bowl of pottage, just like that, gave up his inheritance. Something so priceless, uh, so, something so valuable for something so cheap. And the devil's going to try and push something on you that you think, at the time, I've got to have this. Uh, now, obviously, we understand, eternally speaking, we can't give up our inheritance, our place in heaven, uh, but we can give up our testimony. We can give up so much in the Lord for something so cheap, so invaluable, for something uh, so priceless, and that is our inheritance. Anything you trade for your godly heritage will be a bad deal. Mark it down. Give up your godly inheritance, your goodly inheritance. It's a bad deal. Whatever it is, don't sell. It's priceless. For everything else, there's MasterCard. Uh, But your inheritance is indeed priceless. I think about in in, in Monopoly. I enjoy playing Monopoly, um, so much so that most people don't enjoy playing Monopoly with me. Um, That's how much I enjoy it. Uh, I, I, I hate to lose in Monopoly, uh, I remember one time I was playing with my brother and our friend Jared, and I was just getting, I guess, so into it that they just, I think one of them just threw the board and said, we am not playing with you? Um, at one time in school, we were playing, and the only way that legitimately our students were able to beat me was that they all teamed up together, pooled their properties together, um, and, and, the, and that was the only way they were able to win. But uh, oftentimes a Monopoly, the, the, the name of the game obviously is something that is illegal, a Monopoly, um, so... But, but you, you try to trade and get something out of somebody. And oftentimes, I've got, I've got properties in my mind that I know are valuable, that may not be valuable to somebody else, but I've got my strategy and how I'm going to win, and I'm going to take advantage of them. I'm going to make it seem like, oh, I'm giving you a great deal. You're getting two properties for this. Um, and and, and the, the devil will do that same thing to you. He'll, he'll real, he knows the value of what he's getting from you. And I, I do remember one time I was playing with my brother and my dad, and I offered my dad a trade, And he said, I remember he said to me, he said, I'm going to make this deal with you, but only to show you how dumb it is. In the end, I ended up beating him because I knew it was a good deal. Um, I I took advantage of my own dad in Monopoly. Uh, Play me Monopoly and I'll take advantage of you for sure, or at least I'll try. Um, But the devil will do the same thing. He'll try to get something from you that is so valuable, but if you don't see its value, you'll give it away for something that looks better. For something that, uh, for, for, for Monopoly, I'll give away a blue for a red because, oh, there's three of them, or, or because it's further down the board, um, but you're, you're missing the real value. You're missing the real purpose. Don't sell your heritage. It's priceless. So we see the possession of it. Next, the nature of it. Look at the nature of it. Uh, look, look there in verse six, uh, back in verse five. The Lord is the portion of mine inheritance. So first of all, the nature of it, it's large. It's large. The infinite wealth of the character of God himself is the believer's portion. So it's no wonder that David says in Psalm 23, verse 5, my cup runneth over. Uh, it's so large and so immense that it can never be described. It can never be contained. And the hymn writer Frederick Lehman uh, got it right when he said, could we rethink the ocean fill? Or, and were the skies of parchment made? Were every stalk on earth a quill and every man a scribe by trade? To write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry. Hear it, nor could the scroll contain the whole those stretch from sky to sky. In just the same way, the inheritance that God has given us is so large, so vast, that nothing could ever contain it, that we'll never be able to use it up. I've never received an inheritance, as I alluded to earlier. So again, I won't mention it again. Uh, but I've heard of people who've unexpectedly gotten a phone call or gotten a phone call from a lawyer, and I'm sure that was kind of scary at the time, uh, what's a lawyer calling me? Well, so-and-so passed away, and they wanted to pass this inheritance on to you. Uh, unexpected, what, what, what wasn't planning on it, but a, a large inheritances and quickly wasted it away. I'm sure you've, maybe you maybe even know somebody like that, received a large inheritance, and, and within a year, all the money's gone. They're in debt. wonder, you got so much money, how'd you do that? They blew it. They wasted it. Now, I'm thankful that the inheritance that we receive of the Lord is so large, it's so vast, we can never waste it. We can never spend it all um, in this lifetime. And then second, look at look, look, look in the beginning of verse six. It says, the lines are fallen unto me, in pleasant places. There's that word again, pleasant. Uh, but I the, the, the thought it's a pleasant. The, the nature of it is that it is pleasant. Um, it's, it, it's the, ageless, ad, it's the ageless, ageless adage. You kids have it so good today. Why back in my day, we've all heard it. Um, I won't ask who said it because that would show our age, right? If you've said it, that means, it means you're old. Um, no offense. Uh, but you, you thought the same thing when you were a kid. Man, my grandpa's so old. He just keeps saying how it was so good. But if we're really honest with ourselves, we've got it good. We it, it, our life is pleasant. We 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 have it good for sure. David in this verse is making reference to the dividing of the lots of lands that an inheritance would bring. If you think about the the children of Israel when they went into the they got their inheritance, the promised land. Uh, They they were divided into lots, different sets of land. Uh, It it wasn't something they had a lot of control over. The Lord divided it up. Um, Some of them said, could we have this? And the Lord agreed with that. Uh, I believe it was with Ephraim. Could be wrong on that. Um, But but when it came to an inheritance of splitting up a man's property, it wasn't something the children got a big say in, like, okay, I want that one. I want that one. Especially with David, the last one, he wouldn't have had a very big say in it at all. Uh, But David said this, the lines of the lot... They're falling into me in pleasant places. And God was good to me. God, the, the inheritance I've received, it's good. I, I didn't have much say in it. Uh, we, we, we didn't have much say in the inheritance we received of God. We had no say at all. He was the one who did everything in it. But when we look at it, we say, man, God's been good to me. God truly has been good to me. I'm content with God has given me because it is good. Now we can look at other people, and we can look and see how God's blessed them, and if we're not careful, we're envious because we're not focusing on the eternal, but we're rather focusing on the temporal, and we think, man, they've got so much more. Focus on eternity. God's been good. God's been good to us. and everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Matthew Henry said this concerning this passage, though they still covet more of God, never covet more than God. That ought to be our desire when it comes to our inheritance. I, I, I want more of God, not more than God. Um, but being satisfied, they possess his loving kindness, are satisfied with it, and envy not any of, the, any of their carnal mirth and sensual pleasures and delights, but account themselves truly happy in what they have, and doubt not but to be completely happy in what they hope for. Now, uh, that, that same thought, just when I read that, that statement, it really just stuck out to me. I, I need to desire more of God, not more than God. If I'm desiring more than God, I'm being covetous. If I'm desiring more, more of God, I'm growing spiritually. Because I, I, I can never contain enough of God. And God can always fill me more. So it's pleasant. It is a pleasant uh, in its nature. And then uh, last, in, on this, uh, in this regard, it's eternal. The Lord is the portion of my cup, it says in verse 5. Not only is our heritage or our inheritance in God large and pleasant, it's eternal. It'll never end. It will take all of eternity to dip up this river of pleasure with the little cup of this life. The portion that God has given us is eternal because he is the portion and he is eternal in his very nature. When you think about it, um, we, we'll never be able to exhaust our, por- our portion of our inheritance because he is our portion and he is eternal. He will never end. Uh, he, he will never stop. Jesus told his disciples in John chapter 14 that he was going to prepare a place for them so that he said, um, where I am you can be with me also. And then in Paul in 1st Thessalonians chapter 4 says this, so shall we ever be with the Lord. As the believer, as a believer, we can truly say the best is yet to come. In this life you have tribulations, but Jesus said, "Be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world." We're going to face tribulations. We're going to face hard times. We're going to face sorrows and struggles in life, but truly the best is yet to come because the best is eternity. And we'll live on for all of eternity. In 2nd Corinthians chapter 4, Paul says this, for your light affliction, speaking of our life, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Just hold on. The struggles we face pale in comparison to the eternity that we hope for. The eternity, again, that, that word hope is not a, well, I'm, I hope Santa brings me something on Christmas. It's and it's a confident expectation. I know that I'm going to spend eternity with, with, with Christ in heaven. I know that for sure uh, because of my relationship with him. Perhaps um, if you have received an inheritance or um, maybe your children or whatever, um, oftentimes there is, an, if you will, an inheritance clause, an age clause sometimes, that if, especially for a child, um, to give an eight-year-old, a million dollars is probably not a wise thing, but so perhaps there was a, on their 18th birthday, they'll receive X amount of money, and then X amount of money every single year. That would be a very wise thing uh, if you're leaving an inheritance uh, for sure, but if you think about it, we have, if you will, an eternity clause on our, on our inheritance, and the, the best part of our inheritance doesn't kick in until eternity, The best part of our inheritance, we've got a goodly heritage, we have a good inheritance and God's blessed us in so many ways and we have his presence here on earth, but there's coming a day when either by death or by rapture, we're going to spend eternity with him and that eternity clause kicks in and we will have the best part of our inheritance and that's the physical presence of God. What an awesome day that will be. And so the, 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 this, this inheritance, this goodly heritage, it's large, it's, it's pleasant, it's eternal. And then last, we're going to look at the rest of the passage quickly, the effect of it, the effect of it. So I've got a goodly heritage. If I'm a Christian, if I'm saved, if, if, if you're a Christian, a believer in Christ, uh, you have a goodly heritage. I have a goodly heritage because Christ is my savior, because he's my father, he's my portion, he is my inheritance. But how does that affect me here? How does that affect me in my day-to-day life? Well, first of all, there will be, look at verse 7, there will be praise. Look at verse 7, it says, I will bless the Lord who hath given me counsel. We have so much that we can praise the Lord for. Uh, someone receiving a great inheritance has no place to rejoice in themselves, but rather in the giver of the inheritance. If you receive an inheritance, you can't say, Man, look how great I am. I've got all that. say, no, no. I'm thankful for the heritage that I have. This inheritance came from someone who loved me, someone who uh, I I loved, and someone related to me, and in just the same way, we need to praise and bless the Lord. Uh, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. And what does that verse say? Forget not all his benefits. Man, the Lord's been so good to us. Anything that we accomplish in life, all the praise, all the glory needs to go to God, for he is the giver and the sustainer of life. If I'm able to accomplish anything, I say, well, my skills. Well, the Lord gave you those skills. I'm able to accomplish, well, because of my, my, my hard work, and my, 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 I just really worked and, try, and, and put everything I had into it. Well, the Lord gave you the ability to be able to do that. So everything, no matter what angle you take on it, all glory needs to go to God. And because of our goodly heritage, we ought to praise him. Look at verse 8. Begin at verse 8. So, that it, so it, it will bring praise, uh, but it also brings fellowship. I have set the Lord always before me. Because, and, and, and then if you look at this, it says, because, where is he? He is at my right hand. What an inspiration and comfort in the midst of all the trials and turmoils of life. What a source of restfulness for the spirit, knowing that the Lord is always before me. He's with me. Uh, the, 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 in, in the book of Romans, it says, if God be for me, who can be against? If God be for us. Who can be against us? And just the same way as a prosperous man of the world loves to set his possessions before him. You've seen people, uh, millionaires, billionaires, wealthy people, and they say, I'm worth so-and-so so fill in the blank of what they're worth. And I think, man, I wish I could be worth just a percentage, one percentage of that, and I'd, I'd be set for life. Um, <clears throat> but they like to put before the world their possessions. So does the spirit-filled believer. Um, what is our possession? It's the Lord. So just as a rich person, a wealthy person, successful person in life likes to put before the world their possession, we in the same way ought to have the same bragging, if you will, of this is my possession, it's the Lord Jesus Christ. Nothing we've done, nothing I've earned of myself, but I'm going to put it before the world, but notice the difference of the possessions. The wealthy man boasts of great riches, but they provide him no peace, no comfort, or even real company. Say, oh, well, they have all the people in the world, but that wealth goes away, those people are gone too. The Bible, the Bible talks about that. But our possession is God himself, and with him comes true comfort and true companionship. And just as the Bible says in Revelation chapter 3, he stands at the door and knocks. If any man will open the door, I will come into him and sup with him, and he with me. The Lord truly desires to fellowship with us. And it ought not be that the Lord is constantly at the door knocking, but it ought to be that we just have an open door and he can just come in any time and sup with us and fellowship with us. Leave him always before you, that the fellowship may be regular, and sweet. Look at the end of verse eight. It says, "Because he's at my right hand, so because I'm fellowshiping with him, because I put him always before me, uh, I shall not be moved." It brings stability. It brings stability. The man who always has the Lord set before him is unlikely to be moved away from the hope of the gospel. When Jesus is um, ever before us, just like the Bible says in Hebrews chapter twelve, looking unto Jesus, the Author and the Finisher of our faith, that will. Uh, will run the race that's set before us. And just as the marriage has stability when there's regular fellowship, the Christian is stable when God is on our right hand, when God is with us all the time. And just like I said before, if God be for us, who can be against us? The powerful pull of culture cannot move us if God's at our right hand. The strong and fierce winds of false doctrine will not shake us when God is at our right hand. And the deadly quakes of sin will not make us fall when we are firmly planted in the Lord. Uh, So it says, I shall not be moved. Finally, my brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. We need to have that same mentality of I shall not be moved. No one's going to make me move on my beliefs. No one's going to get me to move on my my commitment to the Lord. No one's going to get me to move on the stand I've taken for Jesus Christ. Why? Because he's before me. He's ever before me and I shall not be moved. So there's stability. Uh, and the next, gladness. Gladness. Look at verse 9. Therefore, my heart is glad, and my glory rejoiceth. The book of Nehemiah states, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Happiness can come from things, but truly lasting joy comes from the Lord. Uh, how many of you have gotten something new, had a new thing, or job, or a house, or whatever it is? Uh, there's some happiness that comes with that, but eventually that happiness can tend to wear off. But when we derive our joy from the Lord, that joyfulness, that true happiness, if you will, will never wear off. My heart is glad because it is healed and satisfied. This is not an attempt at rejoicing like many of the world's pick-me-ups, if you will. But it is the natural and inevitable result of receiving this goodly heritage. Uh, if, you've ever, if, if, if you were to ever receive a, an inheritance, a heritage uh, from, from a relative that was enough to make you set for life, I guarantee you, you'd rejoice. I guarantee you, you'd be telling people about that. I guarantee you, that would make you very joyful knowing I don't have to worry about another bill. I don't have to worry about another expense because somebody's paid for it essentially by giving me this inheritance. We can rejoice in the inheritance we receive from the Lord because eternally speaking, I don't have to worry about a single debt. I don't have to worry about a single bill. I don't need to stand before God and give an account for my sin because of his inheritance. It's settled. It's taken care of. So how much more the believer will not have a worry in eternity? Romans 5 says this, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. Man, there's joy. In, there's so much joy knowing that when I die, I don't, have to, I don't have to explain to God why I did all the sins that I did. And how many of you are glad for that? There's so many things that I I don't know what I'd say. I I don't know how to explain. There's no way to explain it. But now as a servant, I can stand before God and give an account for how I lived for him. That's still a humbling thought. Uh, But I'm thankful that that, that regardless of how I live my life, now, my desire is to live it in such a way that he'll say, well done. That I'll receive a reward. But there's assurance. there's, There's a great assurance in knowing in that passage about the the Judgment Seat of Christ, where it says, uh, they shall be saved, yet so as by fire. They'll lose the reward, but heaven's still our home. I'm thankful that no matter what I do, I don't have to give an account for my sin. Now, with, with that thought, is not, just like Paul said, uh, should we sin that grace may abound? God forbid. Uh, that, that, that thought of, I can't lose my inheritance, makes me want to not let my heavenly father down. Makes me want to make the most of what he's given me. Uh, So there's gladness, there's great joy in the inheritance we've received. And two more, uh, verse 11, the beginning of verse uh, verse 11, it says, thou wilt show me the path of life. It brings guidance. Uh, Because of this inheritance we receive, we have guidance. Um, How many are thankful for people who've guided you in life? Whether it be a a parent, uh, whether it be a teacher, a pastor, we've had many people guide us uh, to where we're at. We're all in need of guidance. Uh, Without guidance counselors in college, Many of us would still be wandering the halls and classes of our alma mater with no degree uh, because we would have not yet met all the requirements. I'm thankful for the times where I sat down and I had all these classes. Um, actually, I guess I wasn't thankful this one time. I was a little behind, um, but I remember uh, Brother Oxendine. He was the, the Dean of Men um, at, at, at Golden State, where I went to college. And I remember I picked a couple of classes, and it was my third year of college, which meant I was a junior, right? Um, but credit wise, not the case. I remember sitting down and I picked some classes. He said, "Brother," he said, "These are junior classes. You're still a sophomore." I was like, "No, I've got uh, And, yeah, for, for sure, I indeed was, uh, by credits. still was able to graduate in time, but because of guidance counselors who help us to m- make sure we don't spend unnecessary money. On unnecessary credits, that's not, that's not going to help us uh, get to where we're, where we're aiming, and that's graduation. Without a tour guide at a museum or, or some park, uh, people wander aimlessly, not knowing what they're looking at or even its significance. And, and just the same way, the Holy Spirit guides us, and without the guiding of the Holy Spirit, we would wander aimlessly through life. Without a safari guide, without a safari guide, I I would love this. Probably one of the things on my bucket list to be go on a safari. So I will need to go to Zambia one of these days on a missions trip, and I'll be able to check that off. Um, But without a safari guide, and, and and I'm sure Pastor Justin would even say that he probably wouldn't be the person to have to be a safari guide, though he's probably been on many of them. I'd want a safari guide who's been trained and knows exactly what he's doing. But without a safari guide, for many, that would probably be the last thing they ever did. If you went into the uh, into the outback or to wherever of some safari. I know the, I, I, if you're wondering, I do know the outback is not in Zambia. I know those two thoughts kind of went together, but they're separate. Um, into, into some wilderness without a, without a guide, you may, we may not see you again. And just the same way, we, we often try to attempt to go through life without our guide, the Holy Spirit. And it's no wonder people wander. It's no wonder people never get anywhere, even though they're moving. Um, it, the, the, there are times maybe you've gone through a museum and uh, there, there have been times I've gone and had the guided tour and learn you know, learned a lot more. Uh, but when I've gone myself, what did you learn? I don't know, I just kind of walked around and saw some pictures. What did, I don't know, it was just, it was cool. Um, but I, I don't want that to be my life. I want the Holy Spirit to guide. And though the path is narrow, the Holy Spirit will reveal to us the way day by day, step by step. It's a path of continual faith and continual obedience. But don't get sidetracked. Don't get distracted by the things of this world. Keep your eyes on Christ and keep your ears open to the leading of the Holy Spirit. And then last, in verse, back in verse 9, then also in verse 11, um, it says in the end of verse, uh, verse 9, my flesh also shall rest in hope. And then verse 11 says this, thou wilt show me the path of life, and thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. So this uh, goodly heritage, it brings hope brings hope. Uh, 1 John chapter 3 says this, Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. While in this life we truly do have the presence of God, he dwells in us, he is with us even to the end of the world, he said, and, and I love life. But I'm thankful that this life we have, um, that that we live as a vapor. The Bible says it's here for a while and vanishes away. It's not the end. This is not all there is to life. And 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 uh, if if this was all there is to life, that that we think about it, it's not much to live for. In the scope of eternity, 70 years, 80 years, 90 years—if you get that much—that's very little. But I'm thankful this isn't the end. This isn't what it's all about. This is just the beginning, if you will, and, and, and our faith in Christ is just the beginning of eternity for us. That's when our eternal life begins, and thankfully, in, the, in, in Jesus Christ, it will never end. Um, so I'm thankful for the hope of eternity. Again, hope is a confident expectation of good in the near future. Uh, we, we, we talk about that blessed hope. We know that Jesus will, can come at any moment. Um, And and at the same time, Paul knew that Jesus could come at any moment. Uh, But again, in the scope of eternity, 2,000 years that he's not come yet, but he will, is not a long time. Um, So he could return at any moment. And we have a confident expectation that one day our faith will be sight. One day we'll see God face to face. And for all of eternity, with the believers of all time, we'll spend eternity with him. What a hope that we have. Uh, uh, Philippians. Chapter 1, verse 20, is, uh, as a teenager, I claimed as my life verse. It says, according to my earnest expectation and my hope. There's that hope again. That in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness, as always, so now also, Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. Paul said, because of the hope that he had in Christ, I'm going to live for him. Because, because, because of him, I have something to live for. I don't know about you, but with all those thoughts in mind, it's very easy for me to look at my life and say, I have a goodly heritage. And God has given me so much. I've got an inheritance that I can never spend. I've got an inheritance that will never end, that will never run out. And because of that, I can't help but praise the Lord. Because of that, I have stability. I shall not be moved. And I hope that you have that goodly heritage. If you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, you don't possess it. An inheritance was something that went to the children. It was something that, it it wasn't, oh, he's a good friend of the family, so we'll include him. No, no, no. Um, David and his brothers would have gotten the inheritance. Jacob and Esau, they received the inheritance. It wasn't the other kids in the neighborhood. It wasn't other people. It was the children of the father who received the inheritance. If you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, you're not one of his children, and you will not receive this inheritance. You do not possess this inheritance. So if there's never been a time you've placed your, placed your faith and trust completely in Christ, you do not have this goodly heritage. And I urge you today, trust Christ as your Savior. And you too can say, I have a goodly heritage. God's been so good to me. If God has used this ministry in any way to be a blessing to you, please take a moment to send us an email to info at opendoornj.org. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so online at opendoornj.org. Thanks for tuning in.